There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Kira, how do you mm-hmm. use your difference to make a difference? I think it just goes back to, I don't want anyone to have to go through what I went through just to make money, have a job and live my life. And so showing other people that you can have an impact in the people that you employ and create a space for people to have healthy work environments that are motivating and fulfilling is, I mean, my team is my favorite part of my life. It's my favorite part of my business, but also teaching other people to have that same feeling is super rewarding. So I think it, I think it's making an impact. We've helped onboard like over 300 employees and worked with 70 different businesses. And these are small businesses. So the impact goes far and I'm just happy to be part of the Part of the journey. <laughs> <laughs> how you day, how you day. That was the voice of Kira. Kira's mission in life is to empower women to identify their unique skills and passions, as well as turning those passions into profitable businesses. Our conversations range from different ways to tackle burnout and mental health, different ways to lead authentically, and how to, to build a manageable and scalable business model. She's had personal experience with what it's like dealing with people that are trying to take away your worth without really building you up. And she's now on a mission to make sure that people don't feel that way. And so if you're someone that is an entrepreneur, or even if you're someone in a small business looking to figure out how to, to motivate your team and get your business growing while you motivate your team, I think this is going to be an episode that you're going to want to listen to. I know that we live in a time where people are running multiple businesses, people are multi-hyphenates. So please... Pay attention to the resources that you see in the links in the in the show notes, as well as to her tidbits. All right. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is Kira LaForgia. Now, let me tell you something about Kira. With a decade of experience in people operations in the corporate world, Kira is no stranger to the sensitive issues and the human side of running a business. Now, there are a lot of things to learn when it comes to hiring, you know, onboarding, training, or managing the performance of over 500 employees for multi-million dollar businesses. However, you might just be starting out and you might be thinking about scaling up, but you don't know where to start and how to start. But Supercure is here. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> the pleasure is mine. I, I, I always enjoy um, meeting people who are who've been in the corporate world who are entrepreneurs or who are entrepreneurs going back in the corporate world because I do feel like both skills can be interchangeable if, if you uh navigate it in a, in a you know in an interesting way and then the other thing is I deal with a lot of people right I run 
diversity, equity, inclusion at the company I work for. And I've had my own DEI consultancy where I was doing it from an entrepreneur lens. And understanding people is inevitably one of the most invaluable skills to have, regardless of what happens with uh, AI, whether you're pro or not. And I, I think it's a, it's a skill set that many people don't take to heart. So mm -hmm. thank you so much for being on the show and coming to talk to us about this. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, it's it's also nuanced. And I love that there is a space for everyone's perception and opinion in everything, I think, yes. like if we're tolerant and accepting. And also there's times in business where you kind of have to draw the line and like put some like make a claim, make a stake in the sand kind of a thing. And yeah. we have to still be cognizant of the way that affects others, even if it feels very black and white and businessy. So yeah. um, I love that you spoke to that a little bit. Well, I think very few things are black and white, right? I think mm -hmm. of, ironically, most of the world lives or thinks like the middle, but we've created binary systems, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I feel like they have to choose. Yeah. You believe, according to you, that the most important lesson that you've learned is that the true measure of success is not how much money you have in the bank, but the feeling of living your purpose. Mm -hmm. How did you find your purpose? Well, don't want to bring down the vibe, but I think out of every out of everything that turns out great and fun and awesome is kind of a rising from the ashes moment. And I'm not saying like I'm some kind of miraculous phoenix, but more so just highlighting that I had an experience that took me down to like the lowest of lows, put me in a situation where I was so burned out because I was living in that black and white and I was in an unhealthy mental space that really we find comfort in the truth. We find comfort in the binary when we're not in a mentally healthy enough space to accept alternative opinions and stretch our minds. And so when you get into that place, that's exactly what happened to me. There was just so much work that I had to be able to put things in a black or a white box. And so it all became, it all came down to control to an extent where you just can't hold all of that at once. Like we have to be able to flow. And so I was controlling everything in a business that is now it does. It's, you know, we are, once I figured out how to handle all of this, things have really turned around, but it put me in a position to where I was essentially sitting on the floor in my house. My body would physically not let me go to work. I was having a panic attack. There wasn't even anything really major going on, but I just, my body was like, absolutely not. We're done with this. Like there's where my mind was shutting down. I, my anxiety took over. Like I was, I don't even remember most of these days that were leading that kind of led out from this. And from that, luckily I already had a great therapist, but from that experience, I, I just had to. I couldn't go to work. So my team that I had been developing for years and years, but never actually giving anything to, and still just being so obsessed with the control that it was adding on more and more and more stress, they had to take over because there was no way I could do the job and manage 50 employees and show up in the office and do all the things that I thought were so crucial to me doing every single day that no one else could do that only I can do it in this way. And you know, those stories we tell ourselves and it was a very humbling lesson to find out that by the time I kind of got my head right, took care of myself, no one had been the wiser. The company was running smoothly. My team was thrilled to step up and take over. They were excited that all the things that we'd worked on together, they were actually, I had to let go of control. So they were actually able to do it. And not only as a result of that humbling experience was, was this opportunity to kind of enhance into their skills and spread this knowledge to my team and let them 
fly the way that I'd been training them for so long, but also I got diagnosed with PTSD from that experience of burnout, which is crazy. I never knew that you could do that. It was, it manifests all the time. Now this was five years ago. And so I just kind of had to learn the hard way that there's more to life than controlling everything. And actually at the end of the day, the successful moment is that feeling of fulfillment and flow and excitement and passion. And that's what we're going for. Not the feeling of everything is under control. There's like no fun in that. And <laughs> I mean that in the most serious, but also lighthearted way, because I learned it the hard way. And now six people are doing the job that I was doing at the time. And our sales have gone up 30%. And so there really was no downfall except for my own panic attack in regards to me learning to let go and trust each other and trust the, the team that we built. I mean, I'm so glad you shared that. First of all, I've been where you've been, right? Where you, you have burnout, PTSD, and having anxiety, I have generalized anxiety disorder. And for some reason, you know, it always acts up when I have one working because I just feel like I have to control everything. Um, mm -hmm. and the panic attacks and anxiety attacks. And it's Ugh. interesting. <laughs> I, well, I've suffered from this since I was a kid, but yeah. it's so interesting when you have a therapist because a therapist would tell you that it's important for you to be able to seed control in moments and figure out what is real and imagined, right? So maybe... Mm -hmm. The real, you know, the real thing is people can actually step up to do the work, but the imagined thing is you're the only one that can do the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That leads me to this question about the art of delegation, because <laughs> <laughs> I do believe there are people who've been in similar positions who forget that there's a team behind them. And so let's say they're not as lucky as you. Mm -hmm. And when something like that happens to them, how can they focus and correct their mistake to actually teach and empower their team to end up being able to do the job? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that what the biggest misnomer out there is that we go from being on our own, plugging away, running a business, doing all this on our own to delegating, but actually the art of management and the art of people operations is that there are several steps in between the hiring and, or, you know, acquiring a contractor or whatever, and the delegation, the delegation is the end goal. Mm -hmm. So really before we get there, we have to learn the skills of directing people, coaching them, switching into a supportive and relationship driven role. And then we get to delegate. And that's when the oversight happens and the real payoff begins. And you're right. I was extremely lucky. I had managers and team members that when all this happened that had been working for me for six, seven years. And so they were ready and like chomping at the bit, but not every business owner gets to this place and has a team of people ready to rock. Oh. So, and it's funny that you brought up the part about, you know, in therapy, knowing what's real and imagined. Cause the biggest lesson I learned from therapy just for life, not even just for business is don't believe everything you think mm -hmm. and learning that before 2020 and just the binary that we've been dealing with for the last few years was, is something that I'm all always coming back to and it comes up in this as well yeah yeah that's something I, I say often I, I and because you know like you like you I was blessed to have a, a therapist therapy is like dating you have to go right <laughs> find the right the yeah. right one but I eventually I landed on the right one and it is I don't know if anyone else is out there but my anxiety works where my brain is thinking faster than you know anything that it, it appears that I'm doing on a visible format and so i'll be thinking oh am i bad i'm horrible i made a mistake they saw it they noticed me i'm horrible it's gonna be bad but i did it. you know it's all that going on mm -hmm. and you say just ask yourself if it's really true 
And then it's a simple reality check. And I think in the business world that we've lived in, this binary world, and this podcast is all about communicating and leading effectively across cultures, there are some individualistic aspects of the American culture where sometimes we've convinced ourselves that if you're not the first or the best, who are you, right? Mm -hmm. Or if there isn't, if anyone can't see what you've done, then is it really real? And, and you know, social media add to that. We're, we're just sort of gaming ourselves for external validation and forgetting the internal part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And there's something really, I don't want to say humbling, but in a way it is where you realize that so much of what we do and how we live is online. But there is a moment of where you're finding meaning or if you're in a bad space or if you're, you know, I'm like you, like my anxiety, ADHD just goes running. Like my husband, and I'll be eating dinner and like, I'll have gone through a whole cycle of something. And he's like, we're literally eating onion rings. Like how, what, how did we get here? Like, he's just like, and he's like, these are good. And I'm like, I have contemplated like every problem in the world in the last three minutes. And it's just that, that grounding nature of like, pulling yourself out of that online and digital space into like the reality of like standing on the ground and like what's actually happening and happening in front of you. It's such a hard lesson to learn as an entrepreneur, especially, but also like so valuable. Like, I think that's one of the reasons people are like, if you're in your head, like get outside and go for a walk, like yeah. put yourself in back in your body, like get into a physical space. Like those types of things are so it's like getting back to the basics when, yeah. when you're really in a place where you need to make a change or get your head right and it's yeah, hard it is. when you're managing yourself it's freaking hard but when you're managing other people you have to be able to identify when they need to do that too and guide them and lead them and support them into pursuing those those solutions to their needs on their own well hey well speaking of solutions you founded your company paradigm to bridge the gap between corporate hr policies and the uh, the modern needs of online entrepreneurs so uh yes tell me more <laughs> So over, I guess, <laughs> 15 years almost, I've worked in really toxic spaces and I've also worked in amazing small businesses and also started my own business. And throughout the process of getting to where we are now and paradigms mm -hmm. of, you know, three and a half years old, there was a realization that the things that are important in different stages of business are not as important in small business or entrepreneurial ventures. So the things that if you were to Google like HR for businesses, it's going to tell you a bunch of stuff that isn't relevant to your business. So we basically, I basically took this rebellious nature of like, I don't need to know all that, like that, none of that matters and boiled it down into what do small businesses and entrepreneurs actually need to know? Because in the real world, small businesses have to follow the same laws, the same compliance regulations, the same hiring patterns, the same discrimination rules, the same company culture standards in order to be competitive in the marketplace and to be able to be illegally on the up and up business. But the resources out there are only spitting it out to the big time corporate companies because that's who's going to pay for this. And they're going to be able to afford full-time HR departments and all that stuff. But what I learned over the years is we can boil it down and we just kind of hacked away at it until we got to the very basics of what each company needs to know legally. So we could really lean into what we can help provide for culture and for people and for helping entrepreneurs see that they have, they can build their own culture and they can build their own communication without having to do whatever these books have been telling us to do for years and years. And then that coupled with the remote space. I mean, there are so many different ways to communicate in the remote space that are maybe more convenient, but there's something often missing, but 
we also need to be able to create a space where people actually want to work. So whether we're sitting in an office across from somebody or we're on Zoom with them, we have to get those same results. So being able to tweak and adjust our HR strategy and compliance and our people operations and culture initiatives, then it makes it a little bit more fun. And it's really empowering for entrepreneurs to know that they don't have to fit into a box. And that's basically what we do. (laughs) No, no, I love it. I'm curious about the company culture aspect of it. How would you create a great company culture that allows for people from different backgrounds to feel like themselves. Yeah. I mean, I think that the first thing is to make sure you're really in tune with yourself and what we've worked when we've worked with over 70 small businesses and entrepreneurs, some hiring their first employees, some hitting $10 million a year, some up to 25 employees, you know, all over the place. The main thing is that the leader, the founder, the idea person behind the company has to really understand who they are. And I thought everybody's was going to be the same. We all want diverse and inclusive cultures. We all want to bring in all these different personalities. We all want to have fun at work and be flexible. That is not the case. And so on one hand, I want to say it's okay to lean into who you are. Do I think it's okay to not want things that, you know, maybe I believe are the correct way to do things? Not really, but as a business owner, it's okay to lean into different ways of thinking and to really understand who you are and what will work for you as a business owner. And then that is what you build your culture on because then it's going to be easier for you to show up and run your team because it feels natural and seamless. And it's not like you're constantly overcorrecting yourself or second guessing yourself. And we do that through your company's mission and values first and foremost, but we challenge people to not have them be cookie cutter. Like, what are they, what are they really like? Don't, when you fill out my questionnaire, don't tell me you want a flexible work environment? Like, tell me what that means to you. And oftentimes that means a lot of different things to a lot of people. So being able to take those kind of buzzwords and turn them into real action is how we create company culture. But you have to know what it, if you're not going to be able to thrive in your culture, how can you bring a bunch of other people in there that are going to be able to not only recognize, but adapt to it. And I think that one mistake that small business owners make is they just look out to what everybody else is doing and they try to emulate it without allowing the beautiful, unique and diverse nature of our own personalities and our own thoughts to seep into it. And the second part is that once you start to build a team, it becomes less about understanding marketing and, you know, all the other things that come with being an entrepreneur. And it becomes more about your own personal development, because now a huge part of your job is understanding how to help other people grow. And no one is born with that skill. So we have to be able to take that really seriously and understand not only theory and concepts behind it, but also who we are, how to weave that in and how to recognize that in other people and know that a huge part of your job is now to be and act as a leader and not just to show up and sell stuff for your company. And we just see a lot of people, entrepreneurs that take a step forward and take two steps back because they're like, great, I'm going so well, I'm hiring a team, but they forget that their whole job should change now because their job is their team Mm -hmm. and not just a little bit, a lot, a lot of it is. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And I think that that's a huge component in culture as well. And it's... It is a little bit more tangible and practical than just saying company culture over and over and over again on LinkedIn posts and hashtagging it and stuff like it really is more about you. Yeah. So, you know, that, that self-awareness, uh, continuous learning, but also moving away from being performative. You know, we were talking earlier about this concept of people trying to do things that aren't themselves because they feel like they have to be in this or that. And there's, there's a lot of, there are a lot of options. I, I, I love that. I, I think it's always something that we, we like to reiterate here, but that self-awareness piece of it, you know, <laughs> I think is always, is always the, the toughest part for people to agree upon sometimes, because mm-hmm. when you're worried about the perception of others or whether this, your success metric matches with another person's success metrics, it becomes the cycle. Uh, that 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 is dangerous to fall into. So it's a fascinating thing when you think about women as well, though. You, women, you know, your big focus for you is to empower women to identify the unique uh, skills and passions and turn them into profitable businesses. You talk a lot about the unique path that women have to take while also acknowledging some of the challenges where one in three women experience some sort of workplace harassment. I imagine this plays a role in in why some people struggle with the self-awareness though. Yeah. I mean, I think especially women that own businesses, and I think this, this extends into any type of person that owns a business, but realistically, I think that when it comes to women in particular, there's a unique struggle that a lot of us are moving into the entrepreneurship space because we're we've been put in really uncomfortable situations and we were told this is just how it is. And some of us were like, screw that. (laughs) Like, I don't really want to do that anymore. I don't want to have to shut my mouth. I don't want to have to like, you know, sign an NDA in order to get my severance. Maybe that happens to people. I don't know. Not not necessarily saying that it does, but Mm -hmm. I mean, just Google Gretchen Carlson. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of stuff that happens to us. And so many of our clients, especially the women owned businesses are in a constant process of rejecting their corporate trauma. And sometimes it actually, and not, you know, not to like totally put us all on blast, but it puts us into this space of something we call toxic flexibility, which essentially creates a space where there's no structure and there we're just reveling in the fact that we're not being abused or sexually harassed or treated badly or pushed aside or interrupted or talk spoken over because now we're the boss that we're like, we want that for all of our team, but our team are not entrepreneurs. And we actually have to take advantage of the fact that our impact can be a huge ripple effect. If we not only see how we impact our clients, but we also impact our team because we're creating a space where they can be safe. No, none of our clients, employees are being sexually harassed at work. And if they are, they have a recourse. They can go and get support, true support. That's going to feel really good. And they're going to know that they're taken care of 
about their job so that they continue to earn a living. And it's not something that they have to wrestle with every single day. Mm. That is all to say that as business owners, as leaders, regardless if we're a woman or a man, a person of color, whatever the case may be, it does put us in a situation to have to really understand and spend the time seeing how other people's experiences have played into how they're reacting to their current environment. So somebody that may have had corporate trauma, we want to be informed and aware of that so that we can help to create a situation in which they can be productive and happy at work, but also sensitive to their experiences. And I think that that gets skipped over all the time because especially when we're working with a bunch of different personalities and different, everyone has different kind of values and their families mean different things to them. Words mean different things to them. We do want to all get on the same page, but we also don't want it to be like, if we're accidentally on a different page, then everybody feels othered and different. And like, they don't have a voice and what they need. Isn't that important. And I think that for women, we are able to kind of step into that because we're bringing a lot of baggage with us, but we also have to be aware of that baggage in order to best serve our team. We can't just bring it into our company and be like, this is what's driving me to reject all these policies and cultures that I've been, you know, under as an employee or even as an employer, or even through, I've had some clients that have had, um, different types of investors that have been putting them in some weird situations and things like that. And for all of us kind of stepping into this leadership role, we can't just embrace where we came from as a method of our own translation into leadership. We can't just be like, well, I have all this corporate trauma and now I'm accidentally going to put it on you because I don't want to create an environment where this can happen. So I'm just going to let you do whatever you want when really our team needs somebody there. That's going to help give us the structure structure and the recourse to make sure that they feel protected. And so we call it toxic flexibility. And it's really interesting when you become aware of it, you can see these little things that maybe you've done in your career and dealing with your team where you're actually pressing your horrible experience on them and they become the emotional like backpack of, I don't want to talk to my boss about this because I don't want to hurt their feelings. Or I don't want to give real accurate feedback because I don't want them to feel bad. They've already been through so much in their career. And that happens all the time. So that's where I think this strategy and the the kind of more structural HR policies and the people operations and, you know, your employee handbooks and your policies that you're standing behind in your company, your values, your code of conduct can actually matter. It doesn't just have to be something you download off the internet. I tell people don't use anything you download off the internet because it's probably going to do more harm than good. Um, spend some time developing and leaning into who you are first and then build your culture on top of that. Even if it's a little bit illegal, we'll fix it, but at least it's authentic and at least it's representing something real. And I think for women, it can be hard to do that because we were always performing. We're always wanting to put on a show about we're worth it. You know, we are putting our own issues on other people and it can be really hard to hear that from an employee unless you have a culture that allows them to bring these things up to you in a way that's productive. You're all about authenticity, which is what I've been seeing the through line here, but also creating a culture where people can put down their masks. And, you know, you were just so eloquently highlighting what can happen sometimes if you've experienced some sort of workplace trauma and how, unfortunately, in some cases, you can end up being the thing that you hated, whether you had good intentions or not. And, and it, you know, by trying not to make sure it doesn't happen again, you might be too lax in some places. And it does happen because many people have sort of adopted the status quo or by not trying at all, you end up just adopting something that 
you, you know, you, you've only known. And because you didn't lack that, because you lacked that awareness part, you just are like, whoa, I'm just mm-hmm. like, <laughs> my ex manager. And then it comes out and, and we see all these stories when it comes out in the news, eventually the worst case scenarios. And it's always about toxic workplace culture. It always comes back to that. And yeah. they are straying away from whatever's on their mission and their vision statement. Because if you look at a mission and vision statement, like, oh, yeah, okay, that sounds good. But they weren't actually living yeah. in it. Um, so that, that's, 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 I think that's the thing, especially now in a virtual and hybrid world, companies are struggling to figure out how to humanize their values. So I guess you're saying you, you are part of the solution. I mean, one can dream. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that by just showing up and sharing our experiences, good and bad, the mistakes that we've made, creating safe places where people are allowed to make mistakes, but also having a really high standard and really high expectations. You can do both of those things. Um, And it's not going to be something that's going to break your business or make you look less than. And every day, like accepting that other people make mistakes as part of life. I think even business owner to business owner, even working with contractors, with vendors, um, you're, if you have to call about customer service at AT&T, you know, whatever the case may be, like we can push forward this method or this message that being, making mistakes, screwing up is part of life and it shouldn't make you feel like you have to get PTSD from your job. You know, like at the end of the day, you can make a mistake and you can move on, but we have to model that behavior first. And that comes with a lot of vulnerability and a lot of humility. And it's really hard. I think for people that, aren't the honestly just like this the guy that keeps falling up the straight white dude that keeps falling up in their career to be in a more vulnerable position to put themselves in a more more vulnerable position because we're like constantly hustling to get up to that level and it's a lot harder to get there um and I just think it can be really powerful to embrace that piece of vulnerability and who you are as a leader, a manager, a entrepreneur, as you're growing a person, a boss, a mentor, you know, a coach, however you show up and also not worry about having to play a part that was not really meant for us. Like it's not meant for us to fall up. So at the end of the day that I think that that vulnerability will work for us. We just haven't been told that it can. And in the way that it's, that it's working for us now is especially through women owned businesses, being able to create these cultures that are taking amazing talent away from corporate cultures and building up small businesses and more independent firms and things like that, um, without having there be bullying and things like that along the way. I mean, I just had to negotiate a contract with a big business that is very clearly trying to take advantage that we're a small business and being able to be like, listen, it's not worth it for me to bring my lawyer into this contract negotiation. Here's what I can offer you. And if you can't accept it, then you have to move on. At a certain point, that business has to be like, yeah, you're right. We need what you got. And we're not going to you know, drill you into the ground with legal fees in order to buy your service. And so I think we're, we have to also be brave enough to stand up for a different way of doing business and advocating for ourselves and being vulnerable and honest. Um, and hopefully those big corporations will follow suit can't really count on it but you know we gotta we gotta practice what we preach so (laughs) no no we do we do um i'm very much a disruptor and i believe in uprooting the status quo and you know it's naturally why i go into this and and the reason i do is because the status quo that many of us accept are for different time periods even the school days we have for example they're based on something different generations ago but we just adopted and many of us just continuously accept things we don't have to and i think 
you know, you're part of the the movement is doing that. So I, you know, I just wanted to commend you on that because um, that doesn't get talked about enough. So I uh, appreciate that. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Another thing that you, you're part of is this idea of creating business models that center create, uh, centers creativity. So very curious. How can one do this? Well, we talked about this already, but I think that self-awareness is really important. And then tying that into having our goal every day being fulfilled and in flow with what we're creating, I think is also really important. And understanding that creativity isn't just art, music, you know, it's not, it's not always going to manifest in those traditional art forms, but creativity is, you know, what we do is really creative and it's HR, which everyone's going to laugh at. Um, even our lawyers are really creative. It's a different way of thinking about it. Not only just, you know, in the sense that the actions that we're taking every day or the way that we're interacting with each other or whatever requires you to be able to think on your feet and all of those types of things, but there's so much creativity in or areas of opportunity for creativity in our business, but we have been taught to stifle them as employees until we become business owners. We are told your create, your ideas don't matter. Like do my initiatives, do my thing. Like, don't, you know, worry about your ideas. You'll get, whenever you get promoted, you can have an idea at some point, you know, that kind of thing. And so being able to embrace that as a business owner and not nickel and diming every single minute that your employees are working, but also leaving a lot of white space as part of people's jobs, leaving space for them to be creative, to have their own ideas, to do their own research and figure out what they're interested in. That's going to create engagement. And it's also going to create this thing called discretionary effort. And that goes for us as business owners too. So it's really funny because we have a lot of business owners that are a little bit afraid of kind of jumping into this whole team thing because it sounds like such a big responsibility. But if you're able to do it in a really thoughtful and articulate way, then what we're actually shooting for is for our business owners to only have space for creativity, only have white space to work on themselves, only have time to be a thought leader, to reflect on what they're building, to connect with other people. Those are all creative ventures. And I think that we have been taught, at least many of us have from a really young age that society doesn't value creativity. So we think that that feeling of being creative and making something new and feeling fulfilled by what we're creating and maybe going off the beaten path or even the beauty and distraction, you know, and following something that we're really interested in, it has no value, but that's where the best ideas come from. That's where the innovation comes from. And it's not just for us as business owners. It's for our team too. I want my team to go out and get distracted. I want them to pursue something that they're really interested in because I can't keep up with the ideas that they're bringing me. And the people that are benefiting from those ideas are my clients yeah. because I can review over it in five minutes, something that they dove into on a long path and created five new connections and 14 blog posts and all these extra things during the time that they have this white space. And my clients are being served by that creativity in a way that even I'm not able to. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's how we can create a real culture of creativity by rewarding it and also creating space for it and taking it seriously ourselves, carving out time for ourselves to model that behavior to our people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the more you model that, the more you create a business model that actually scales because- mm -hmm. An empowered workforce is inevitably going to talk about how they mm -hmm. feel, which leads to a tribe. So yeah. hmm. <laughs> someone listening right now is watching is like, ah, you know, I feel like I might need someone for services. <laughs> <laughs> how would they be able to connect with you? 
Yeah. Well, we're really active on Instagram and LinkedIn. So just reaching out, just a quick DM, whatever, like I'm a people operations person. So I want to know what people think if they, if there's anything that really caught on here, if they relate, especially for those of us that have corporate trauma or have been in situations where they may relate to the PTSD and the burnout thing, because I think there's so much power in community. And there's been more than one time where I've reached out to people that I know really understand me on this journey of healing and just life and business ownership and entrepreneurship, where it was just a quick text to someone that's like, this sucks. And then it's like, totally. And then you're all of a sudden feeling better because there's so much power in community. So I love to connect with people there. Um, and then of course our website, if you are an entrepreneur, you're ready to hire your first employee, or you need some management training, our website has tons of free resources, but you can also fill out our contact form and we can hop on a call and see if there's any way for us to help and support you. Uh, I'll definitely put all this in the show notes. I, it's it's essential. I mean, the new <laughs> normal, the new working environment requires a lot of creative uh, solutions and people willing mm. to, to lead those. So you're you're certainly one of them. So uh, I'll make sure I put that in the show notes and, you know, listeners, make sure you are taking advantage of the resource. Yeah. Our final question is my mission statement reframed as a question. So Kira, how do you mm-hmm. use your difference to make a difference? I think it just goes back to, I don't want anyone to have to go through what I went through just to make money, have a job and live my life. And so showing other people that you can have an impact and the people that you employ and create a space for people to have healthy work environments that are motivating and fulfilling is, I mean, my team is my favorite part of my life. It's my favorite part of my business, but also teaching other people to have that same feeling is super rewarding. So I think it, I think it's making an impact. We've helped onboard like over 300 employees and worked with 70 different businesses. And these are small businesses. So the impact goes far and I'm just happy to be part of the, part of the journey. (laughs) (laughs) The impact goes far. This is amazing. Kira, thank you for blessing us with your presence. Thank you for your time. Everything will be in the show notes, but I mean, your weekend is about to get started. So I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, this has been a blast. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Thank you for having me. No problem. Kings, Queens, and royalty until next time. Use a difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.